0: Hi there, I'm Alex Sumer, founder of SaaStock, and host of the SaaS Revolution Show. A very happy 2019 from me and the team, and welcome to the third episode of The Struggle, where we aim to tell the part of the SaaS journey often not told, the struggle to get traction. A struggle which sometimes ends in success, but other times in failure. My guest today is Rory Codrington, founder of we Delight, a customer rewards platform. His entrepreneurial journey began in 2014 when, straight out of college, he started the holding company that would become We Delight. At the time, his product was an action sports meetup app. Uh, after a couple of years, Rory and his CTO figured that idea wasn't really taking off, so they pivoted to We Delight. They first operated a pay as you go model and eventually switched to a subscription model. Rory still keeps a screenshot of the first strike right payment that came through from his first customer, which was Charlie HR. We go-to-market model was simple, a focus on outbound, mainly done through email and LinkedIn, and this way he managed to sign some pretty notable clients. Things were trickling along, but as he realised, not fast enough. It was something very difficult and frustrating to deal with, as he was too close to the ground and he'd been at it for too long just to give up. Eventually, he got a very valuable piece of advice from Ben Gately, COO and co-founder of Charlie HR, how to know it was time to fold, an experience which wasn't easy, but Rory handled with grace." Rory's story is both inspiring and humble, filled with powerful lessons. I hope you will enjoy listening to it. Welcome to The Struggle. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Humer. The Struggle is a a new show by the the SAS Revolution show powered by SAS Doc. Uh, and in the struggle, we talk to founders that have started up uh, startup SaaS companies, uh, and where we're learning, um, you know, what went right, what went wrong, what we could do better next time. And uh, my guest on the show today is uh, is Rory Codrington, uh, and Rory uh, was or or, or is uh, you know the founder of a, a SaaS company called uh, called We Delight. Uh, welcome to the show, Rory.
1: Welcome, Alex. Thank you. So- so much for having me
0: no no it's uh it, it's a pleasure and uh yeah rory i think uh, i mean like in, introduce yourself uh, uh to the audience obviously because we uh, we we know each other um please let the audience know who
1: who you are sure so i'm rory i was the former founder of we delight um, which was a customer awards platform um that ran for about a year and a half or so um, and actually i came across along that journey, actually, and came to a number of the sort of pit stops across Barcelona um, and Paris as well, actually, in not the year, we just had the year before, um, sort of met the whole SASTOC team, and we've sort of, you know, I was I'd get there again this year, actually, um, but very, you know, really enjoying that sort of software space.
0: Excellent. Yeah, uh, and, and so, uh, so as you said, like we we first connected because we um, uh, was it yeah it was last year, twenty seventeen. You, you came to a number of the SASTOP on tour events, and um, it wasn't necessarily just because you fancied a little uh, a weekend trip to Barcelona <laughs> and Paris and all the lovely destinations that we were going to. Um, surely there, there there was something more strategic than the than the, than the beautiful uh, European cities, right?
1: Ah, yeah, I mean, it definitely helped. <laughs> I think um, it's just getting everyone in the same room, and actually, yeah. particularly with this kind of business model, where inevitably it's very business focused. Mm. There's so many challenges that everyone else faces as well. There's like a, a very strong theme, I think, whether that's engaging the onboarding conversions or even just the way you're selling. Um, there's so much like in common to to kind of be sharing.
0: See, see, like We Delight was what it was started in in 2017. Is that right? Or
1: so it's actually a much longer story than that. I actually, the kind of the holding company, the original company was a action sports meetup app that I co- co-founded in sort of 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took that out to the States. The launch was a bit sort of up in the air, so it took a while for us to kind of get traction. So we ended up sort of half abandoning that, coming back to the UK. Um, and that's when we kind of took a completely new pivot with the same investors um, and ultimately ended up in the rewards play um and then switching into subscription model. And there's only really then, generally sort of three years after we'd originally started, that we started making our first revenue. And I've still got a screenshot actually of our the first Stripe payment coming in. Um, I think it's from Charlie HR actually.
0: Okay. Very cool. We know those guys. We we use them uh, uh, as well. And so so actually, so it was it was three years in the making and it, you you've gone through a couple of pivots uh, there. Uh and you took investment uh, on board as well. So but do you mind, um, you know, sharing like how much uh, investment you took on?
1: Sure. So we raised £150,000, which is basically at the time the limit of the SCIS, which is sort of a UK tax scheme um, from sort of high net worths and angels. Mm-hmm. And actually a large portion actually came from people we sort of hit up on LinkedIn. So relatively, cold, completely cold connections. Um, and we sort of followed that and sort of put that together.
0: Gotcha. Um, and so, and, and you, you made that last three years?
1: So we topped it up in 2016. I think it was like an additional 25K proportion um, okay. a portion was like a convertible note um, okay. from some original investors.
0: Okay. And, and that, so you said your first payment came through from Charlie HR. You got the screenshot um, uh, of that. Uh, when did you get, uh, I, I guess, that, um, you know, that, yes. that, first, that first purchase? And, and this was the first purchase of, of We Delight.
1: So that was in January 2017, and it's when... We, had people, we were targeting mobile networks with our rewards software. The idea of being trying to incentivize people to pay as you go and top up their phones. And I managed to go and pitch to a number of companies, including sort of three and like mobile and stuff like that. And it sort of felt encouraging, but it never, the traction didn't really get there. And we sort of pivoted into startups and I already knew the Charlie HR team. So we yeah. essentially came in and they were already sending rewards to, to their clients, the so sort of onboarding boxes and stuff like that. So essentially came in very, very manual and just sort of proof of concept to pack them up for them ship them um, got our first paycheck for that um, and then slowly started building out a of a product around it to scale it up
0: okay um, and so first customer first paying customer in 2017 when you pivoted to the the, the we delight model um, and like what was the the go to market plan like at that point as you said like you um, you went into Charlie HR for this first customer it's somebody that you knew you knew obviously like with their platform and uh, I guess, with, uh, you know, customer rewards, or, you know, with the HR customer rewards, there's, there's a good synergy. Um, what was the kind of go-to-market plan from, you know, that point onwards?
1: It was just sort of coming back to LinkedIn again, actually. It's a, it's a theme of like, the outbound um, that we've done in the past because everyone's on there and it's actually not enormously hit up. If you check your sort of LinkedIn inbox now, you know, if someone's going to message you, you're probably going to read it. Um, so it's kind of followed around I think we took a while actually trying to find out who that target customer was um, and it took a couple of months before we started seeing a theme around customer success mm-hmm. um, and came across um, you know Gainsight, um, David Apple Typeform and it was those conversations and ultimately signing up some of those customers that it was like right this is our thing and coming across SaaS stock as well it was like right we're going to stop doing this as a pay as you go we're going to make a subscription based here's our core target and then just sort of did a ton of Ton of outbound. Um, there's a number of tools we use to sort of generate leads. Um, you know, we created multiple multiple email addresses to just sort of get all those sort of email workflows going and the conversations going.
0: Which uh, do you mind sharing? Which were some of the tools that you used to generate leads? Like which were uh, maybe maybe one really good one and, and one that just didn't work for
1: you. So the two we used were mixmax for the email flows, like creating those sort of follow up chains. Um, But the best one was actually Cognizant, Mm -hmm. which is a sort of lead gen prospecting, which would be fantastic for us because you put in a really tight spec of like customer success managers or directors at these size companies in these countries. And then it gives you sort of a list of several thousand um, individuals with accurate email addresses. um, And then you can kind of put that into your cadence.
0: Excellent. And then then what would happen? You'd get these uh, um, cadences, get these emails written, get these cadences going, like uh, start the outbound strategy. Uh, get these folks on a call and then was there some kind of demo or how how did it go from that point until uh, like closing the deal?
1: So we're quite lucky actually with the product because The whole premise is it's about sending rewards and our rewards essentially worked where you'd embed what's essentially an image file into an email. You'd send it, the client would click on it. It takes you to what's actually built on Typeform. A form, you choose what reward you want, whether what beer you want, whatever. You type in your details and then that gets delivered. So in the outbound, there would be a super catchy subject line along the lines of the classic one was dot, 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 uh, brownies for your thoughts or beers for your thoughts. So the open rate was super high um, and it would be very much sort of, hey, can I swap you this box of brownies for a 10-minute phone call?
0: Okay. Uh, so
1: <laughs> we had a lot of phone calls and then it would slowly trickle down. I mean, the, the advantage of that is people experience the product there and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was appetite for it. It was more, you know, can we adjust justify this budget? Um, and I think that was a the theme with some of our challenges was, you know, this is nice to have um, and fighting that was actually really difficult. Okay. Uh,
0: what was the kind of conversion rate on the outbound? Like, uh, I, I guess, um, you know, if you have to share, you, you know, uh, during the period, um, you know, or, or when you were going to market, you know, how, how many customers, what sort of traction did you, did, did you get from that strategy?
1: Um, so initially, it was actually really curated. Outbound, so it was much higher, and actually, it was one campaign. It was only sort of fifty people or so, but we got sort of about twenty percent actually ultimately signed up as customers. Okay. Um, but otherwise, you know, using a slightly wider cadence with tools like Cognizant, it was more I think about eight percent. We got into a phone call, um, and then probably I mean out of that initial size, we three percent or so signing up. So it was quite encouraging. It just sort of it was difficult to really maintain that momentum. Mm. When we were such a small team as well. I think the giving customers properly to success in terms of using the product and using it consistently, that was definitely one of, you know, if I look back, I think that was a bit of a red flag because that value proposition, that consistency of use mm. wasn't there. Even from the beginning, you know, people were giving us strong feedback, but it just wasn't it wasn't seeing, seen in like, the analytics.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a couple of things there. So first of all, you talk about the team, right? So um, how, how many were you within the company?
1: So there's two of us. There's Sam, my CTA, and myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you yeah, go on, and, and an intern, sort of here or there as well.
0: Okay, uh, and then uh, so for the three years that you were doing it, like, uh, did did you and Sam, you know, pay yourself a salary? Were you doing like side hu- hustles, consultancy, or, um, you, you know, how how did you survive for
1: the three years? So we had obviously the funding. Um, and then it was essentially sort of a credit card and, you know, managing a little bit of revenue that came in and just living super frugally. Um, and, you know, initially we, knew we had our own office and stuff like that. But towards mm-hmm. the end, we're just sort of borrowing other people's desks. And um, actually, go square. James was very generous with uh, letting me come and crash in their office for um, you know, definitely a good month or so.
0: And did you uh James James is a good guy by the way, shout out to, to James <laughs> at GoSquared. I th- I know I've been on his podcast. I'm sure if he's been on uh, uh, on ours, uh, but uh, um we'll have to uh, check that. But um uh okay and then and then sort of during this period um where you're you're trying to get traction. I mean we mentioned it at, at the beginning, so obviously you, you came to a various number of Sas uh, SASDOC on tour events. I guess it's not super expensive to uh, get a, a flight within Europe, um, uh, of course, like when you're flying um, you know, to Barcelona or staying in Barcelona, you have to get hotel, et cetera, unless obviously you've got friends there. How did, how did you, as a, as, a, as a company that's still kind of really looking to get traction, uh, sort of like justify, um, you know, coming to, uh, you know, several events across Europe when you're kind of looking at, you know, kind of cash flow? Um, what was the, the kind of the rationale there? Um, like curious to know, like as a
1: company in your position, so
0: to kind of make that decision.
1: I think because we were so small, you know, I knew when we got in front of someone and we could have that conversation, it worked out well. So mm-hmm. going to these events where you know, particularly with the SaaS talk, exactly, you know, everyone there is a potential customer. The majority of those companies there have success; they have account management teams. And this definitely fits within that remit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how you know I came, how we ended up selling it to Gainsight. The, you know, very small account, but it was that conversation we had, building that relationship. Um, and the same, for example, for example, with Typeform, like I remember the Barcelona SaaS talk that she hosted in their office, mm-hmm. and having an opportunity to you know have a beer with, with David Apple and Christina and everyone there, so really, really helped. Um, and that I think actually building that relationship ultimately, when you're a small company with you know a pretty rocky uh, product, actually getting get, getting them to sort of build that relationship and have the patience to to work through and get you get you sort of onboarded and their team sort of using you what
0: were what were the uh, you know was there one moment uh, or like you know the first point when you sort of realized that you know there was that fear perhaps this is just not going to work out
1: i think it came on super slowly it was more the realization that this wasn't growing as quickly as you'd like but more it wasn't growing as fast as it should to kind of justify the amount of resource and time that was going into it um, and i think that was you know replicated as well and also revenue as well and she sort of i had the background on my phone was constantly so sort of like a screenshot of our sort of mrr mm. and just watching that against our target it just sort of i don't know it just wasn't it wasn't I don't know, what you should have been looking for really i think it's quite easy when you're in the thick of it and particularly i think i had that sort of lag because i've been involved in this, that big company for sort of four years like i kept wanting to go i kept wanting to going but actually, if I'd stopped taking a really objective view, taking the emotion out of it, you know, I would have seen a couple of flags. So I would have said, actually, no, this is, this is what I need to prove or else, you know, I move on.
0: Do, do you mind sharing, um, and feel free to no, but, you know, what your MRR was at the point where you felt like, actually, you know, that first point where um, this may not work out and then what the MRR was when you actually decided, okay, you know, we need to, to shut this down?
1: Yeah, the thing is, it was never super exciting, but it was more a couple of clients were paying us maybe sort of $100 a month, and it was that encouragement that could be more of those. So I think we topped out at around sort of $1,000 a month that recurring. occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at each month, at each stage, it very much felt that, right, this is our breakout. You know, We're going to add another $500 this month or whatever it was. Because there were a couple of really healthy months, but then the next, you know, there might be a bit of churn or we'd sort of get set back a bit. Um, so it was frust- really frustrating, actually, in that point of view.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the frustrating. Uh, we, we we talked about one of, one of the questions here about you know uh, the, the, what sort of dark sides of yourself did you did you have to face? And you mentioned like frustration was was one of those. Uh, I mean, can you elaborate a little bit more around that?
1: Yeah, I think particularly when you go to those sort of SaaS stock events and stuff like that, everyone's there and very outwardly, you know, apparently thriving. Mm. Uh, and it's not until maybe either you know their numbers or you speak to them quite candidly that you understand that you know, they're equally got you know, having their own challenges. And when you're putting in the hours, and I think that's, you know, talk about the dark side there, for me that frustration was so frustrating that I'd sort of put in more hours, I'd work even harder. Um, and to not see those tangible results come through, again, it was just really frustrating. And actually it was, I think the hardest realization was that just because you work really hard doesn't, it's not always going to pay off. Um, you need to kind of keep checking where you're going.
0: Did you, Did you look for any... <laughs> outside help any additional like funding or even you know debt like borrowing further money were that was that you know a consideration or did you just think like you know okay well it, i don't think it's going to work i'm not going to keep pushing this and we're just going to going to going to call it quits
1: so we definitely had conversations with people um and equally like, you know, the investors are so readily available for a quick sort of 10 minute chat or so but a lot of feedback we often got was you know it's quite a small market we don't think you can build sort of big business here. Um, but in our own heads, it was more, okay, well, let's just get this to sort of 5K monthly recurring with stable. We can wash our face. Now we can go and um, spend time raising money. Um, but We just never quite got to that stage. Um, but in terms of talking to other people, uh, there's a friend of mine, said Ben Gailey, actually from Charlie HR, mm-hmm. was really instrumental in just sort of guiding me. And it was actually him who sort of set up, you know, like a, I guess, a bit of a timeframe and a target towards the beginning of this year because i've been going for so long and um he basically said right this is a revenue target you need to hit by this date if you don't get it then you need to to assess what you're doing because or else you're you know you quite easily keep taking over because your your head's so close to the ground it's sort of each day you feel like you're making progress but suddenly you look up and look back and then it's not as much as you would have hoped or you shouldn't really justify the amount of time you're putting in
0: in uh I mean it's great uh, like to to have so I, I guess this that that's kind of an example, right, of um like having friends within the community, friends that are building like SaaS companies, uh that you know, can can provide like some mentorship uh, you know, uh, as, as such, right? And um so um I th- I think that was well, obviously great of Ben to uh to, to to help out there and and hopefully and I actually I mean I, I see that one of the reasons that we we kind of you know like started SAS right is is because we just found it's like an industry that it's super difficult to to grow a, a SaaS or subscription business right and especially you know in its uh, sort of like nascent days and um, the SaaS community is like really kind of willing more than many that I've seen to kind of like openly like share and help others. Um, and I found that quite, you know, uh, pleasantly surprising, um, and I think that still very much, uh, you know, is true in this example of Ben, like, you know, helping you is, you know, just kind of one of many, uh, many probably millions of, uh, of those examples, right? So, um, um, so that, that's, uh, that, that's nice to hear. Um, like what you, like, in, in retrospect, you know, when you're looking at now, you know, what do you think um, was your your biggest problem? What would you have done differently?
1: I think actually just being a lot more focused on the product. Um, my sort of default was to go straight to the marketing and sales, um, and you know, well, our marketing tools are pretty slick. Our website was fine. That wasn't really holding us back. It was more once we'd sold that getting that engagement. Um, you know, our product should have been there. Should have been more fleshed out in terms of the functionality. Um, it should have been a lot more integrated into customers sort of workflows so that you know they were coming across they were using it daily that just wasn't the case um, but even from just like scaling point of view like, the product remained like so manual throughout and we had this front that it all looked sort of automated and stuff like that um, but actually behind the scenes I was sort of physically fulfilling you know going and ordering these products um, I was sending the you know, automated text notifications off my own phone uh, to clients saying, oh, your reward's going to be there in 10 minutes or whatever. Um, and actually, there's one case where I had to just go and jump on my bike to go and sort of I had to deliver these um, rewards. I think it was actually to Passion Capital. Um, I think actually Go Square had sent some chocolates, and I thought, actually, I want it to be there even quicker than this delivery driver. So I sort of popped out on my bike to go and be a courier for the day. Um, but stuff like that, like I was, wasn't able to allocate my time yeah. to the existing customers.
0: Yeah, no, well, I mean, I mean, well, I guess uh, a, a great example of, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, hustle, uh, but again, obviously like, you know, have, uh, many of that being like built, uh, uh, I guess, uh, within to the product that, uh, that could have, um, certainly helped you, uh, um, you know, not get on a bike and, um, <laughs> say, save, save your mobile phone building or the, the, the text messages, um, but a, but, but a great story, uh, you know, nonetheless. And, and I, I guess kind of like, so you made the decision, like when when did you make the decision to finally close Read the Light?
1: Um, I think it was in end of March was our last, it was like that, that quarter to it, right, this is our target. And I think it was around sort of the equivalent of 1,500 pounds MRR hmm. and didn't quite get there. And then it was like, right, well, I think leading up to it, I kind of sensed that that was going to be the case. So I felt quite prepared for it by the time it came round. Mm. And, you know, we kept our investors up to date and I didn't think anyone was super surprised. So I do feel, you know, really disappointed about some of the customers just because there's one example, Sophie from Workfront, like we'd worked really hard together and she'd done an amazing job kind of getting sign-off internally. It was going to be our biggest account with a number of like team members using it. We designed all the rewards, like it was ready to go and go. And then literally that sort of kickoff month I had to sort of send this email being like, look, really sorry, it's actually coming to an end. And mm. so that was really, really bittersweet actually that. You know, finally getting momentum. An it felt like that—that was sort of a big step there. But I ultimately think it was the right decision. Um, or else I would have sort of continued so sort of quite blindly, hoping that it was all going to work out.
0: How How did you feel on the actual day? You know, when when you decided to kind of like shutter the company? Um, uh, did you uh, did you go down to the pub with your co-founder and uh, you know? have a few points of Guinness or, uh, you, you know, just say, well, you know, we did our best or what What was the kind of feeling at that point?
1: I, mean, I definitely felt like we'd put everything in, in particular this last couple of weeks, that we'd really gone for it. So by the time it came around, it was more like, well, you know, that that's how it is. Um, and actually it was after I basically sent out all the emails informing everyone, um, spoke, like rang up all the investors and everything like that, and then actually sort of went away for three weeks. Um, and actually that sense of that weight off my shoulders was – and you know, I hadn't had felt like that in years, actually, where it was just like, right, there's, there's no responsibility. There's just sort of, whew, that's, that's the end of that chapter kind of thing. So I think it was more relief, actually, um, and actually having a conclusive answer, like, right, no, it's, you know, we put a stop to that, as opposed to hoping and hoping and you know, thrashing oneself, trying to force it to work.
0: And do you, I mean, do you, the, the experience and, uh, you know, what you've gone through of, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, you know, building a startup and then pivoting, you know, in, in, into We Delight and, uh, you know, um, I guess that whole kind of experience and then making the decision to, to shutter sort of We Delight. Um, how has that like changed you as a, as a person, I, I guess, first of all, that, that, that experience, what, what do you think is, how have you benefited, um, or, or or not? How has it how has it impacted you?
1: I think I'm in quite a unique position where I sort of went straight from university into a startup. So I have no, you know, up until you know, a company I'm working with at the moment. I sort of I'd never really worked for anyone else. So it's only in hindsight I look back and be like, God, I was so lucky to have to do that to have you know all that control and that opportunity. Um, so I think a lot of that kind of the growth that I did experience was. And know just being, being able to take up slack and, and, you know, take this product to market. You know, I give that example of how we started as two of us. Uh, my co-founder at the beginning actually went back to university and left the business. So a lot of that sort of last two and a half years was a massive struggle. Um, so I think that sort of inner strength of just sort of keep plugging um, and actually being able to create, you know, some results. It's not, you know, I don't look back and think, wow, we achieved so much. But even to have signed up, you know, you know, we work with Get, for example, and Typeform, like right? Just some of those conversations we have, were awesome and mm. it's definitely really like fueled my sort of motivation for you know what comes next
0: yeah i mean you, you had some great customers you mentioned you know type form gain site Workfront. you know for a, uh i guess a, a company of you know two people um you know a, an early startup you've you got some you know big names there so clearly uh, you know there's the, the ability to sell you know to have those relationships and, and get these customers on on, on board and uh um, so, you know, kudos for that. Um, so right now, I mean, you, you, you sort of mentioned obviously, um, you know, since we delight your, you know, uh, working, you, um, you know, for another company, uh, would you, um, you know, have you been put off entrepreneurship? Do you harbor, um, you know, ambitions to be an entrepreneur again, you know, at some point, are you already working on it?
1: I think initially I was like, right. Okay. I'm just going to you know, take a few months off. Um, and the company I'm working with now is I, you know, initially it was like a six week view. I'm still there. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but it's sort of that realization that I really want to be doing my own thing. There's that sense of control and that sort of purpose that you have. And also that connection to your own motivation as well. Like when it's your own thing, it's just, everything just makes sense. You're very driven for it. Um, and to be able to sort of build your own team as well. I think there's any building, any business, there's so much creativity in it as well. Um, so for me, that's something I'm aiming to get back into at some point.
0: So this is not the last that we've heard of uh, Rory Codrington in the SaaS space or just in, in in the startup space in general?
1: Absolutely not. I think a lot of what I learned as well is around, you know, am I really a product person? Am I a software person? Well, I can't build stuff necessarily. So unless I partner with the right person, um, you know, I probably won't be straight back into SaaS. But I love that subscription model. So I'm sure I'll try and bend maybe the more traditional product into SaaS. So yes.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I should, I should actually sort of research this in terms of uh, what are the percentages of, of people that actually go out there and try and build business and even like especially straight after university, right? So, um, you, you know, there's, there's big props, kudos, you know, and everything to uh, to, to what you've done and, the, you know, uh, and the hustle and like uh, as much uh, to, to uh, you know, come on the show and share the story. Uh, you know, for others to uh, to listen and learn from. So, uh, thank you, uh, thank you so much, Rory Codrington. And you know, personally, it's been a pleasure getting to uh, uh, to know you, uh, you know, over the Sastock and tour events, and you, you know, coming back to Dublin sure. this year. So, um, um, uh, very honoured to uh, you know uh, consider you part of uh, you know, uh, or somebody that you know we've met and uh, um, part of the network of friends, uh, you know, of the last few years of building Sastock. So, um, thank you, uh, thank you, Rory. Cheers. Guys. I hope you enjoyed the third episode of the struggle and Rory story if you have a story of struggle you'd like to share with us get in touch by emailing podcast at saf.com. thanks for listening and see you next time